0: In this episode, it's all about storytelling with Gordon McClelland from the UK. This is TWiP. Hey, folks, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today on the podcast, I have the honor of sitting down uh, with someone who might be a little bit different in terms of their creative powers than the normal folks that we have on the show, which are normally photographers. Today, we have someone who weaves their creativity through the power of storytelling. Gordon McClelland is a self-proclaimed storyteller, and from the off camera conversations i've had with him this man knows his way around a story or two and i'm gonna take some tips from him to uh you know for bedtime stories and all that he's got the magic gordon welcome to this week in photo and how's it going
1: good evening well good evening is for me anyway good evening (laughs) and lovely to see you again and lovely to have a chat so yeah it's going grand just now yeah,
0: this is good. This is really good. You and I, we first connected during uh, Maxim Yago's creativity conference, which was, well, was just last week, this, this past week. Um, and you and I just had kind of a one-on-one discussion there that lasted just a short time, and I wanted it to go longer because it was such a riveting conversation, you know? It was refreshing to talk to somebody who who understands the art of story. And I'll preface this first question with, In the world of photography, we always talk about, you know, it's all about story. You know, everything has to have a narrative thread through it or, you know, what story are you telling with your photograph to have the opportunity to speak with somebody who understands story kind of intrinsically is a treat. So tell me about that. Let's start with your background a little. So how did you who is Gordon McClellan and how did you get to the point where you are kind of a professional storyteller?
1: Oh um, and this is where the storyteller suddenly runs out of things to say Um <laughs> That's it's, impossible. One those, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's one of those it's really difficult to know where to start sort of conversations, yeah. right Let's do the form of it um yeah, technically, I'm a zoologist, um so my background science, and um I trained then as a science teacher, but all my life I've been a maker of things um i I've made puppets and worked in puppet shows and puppet theatres um, since I was about 14. And earlier than that, I was always writing stories. So words have always been really important for me and words presented actively rather than just on paper. Mm-hmm. And after oh, 10 years of sort of sensible jobs, you know, jobs that paid you once a month and gave you paid holidays and useful things like that. I'd reached a point when I was getting so many freelance bookings that I had to make a choice. And my decision was, I've got to go and do this, I've got to go and try this. And the deal that I made with myself was that as long as I had three months work in front of me, um, I would keep doing the freelance work. Yeah. Um I would still I would go on being a storyteller. And uh and that was uh, I'm not trying to count now, twenty seven years ago. Um so I've been a full time what well, storyteller and artist and maker of things and creator of celebrations since nineteen
0: ninety five. Wow. So that's wow. It. That's great. I love that. So I mean, you know, obviously there's there's a ton to talk about. I feel like you and I could probably talk for two or three hours because I have so many questions. I love this. I love this. The idea of storytelling. because it's so underserved, I think, in a lot of ways these days, you know, in the, in the mm. photography space, we have all the tools, right? We have these great cameras, lights, ca- mm. computers, software, drones, 360 cameras, all these things. But, you know, if you take a step back at them, uh, take a step back, these are just tools to tell stories for the most part, maybe documentary, yeah. but they're tools mm. to t- tools to tell stories. And a lot of photographers aren't, necessarily telling stories beyond the aesthetic what kind yeah. of tips can you give them like photographers that are watching this they're already competent they know they way around a camera they can make beautiful images you know outstanding locations but they want to start introducing the element of story into their art form you know, what are some ways mm. for them to start thinking create creatively
1: um, i think I think my immediate reaction, as you were asking the question, was not quite forget the aesthetic, but um, explore the emotion mm-hmm. rather than the construction of the image. You know, what's the emotion within it? Because it's emotion that carries the story. If I if I'm telling a story awkwardly, you know, if for some reason the words are, are fu- I'm tripping up over my words if the emotion is there if the emotion has caught my audience they'll go with it nothing matters cuz they'll be drawn into the the heart of the story so i'd say look for emotion and um and, and also recognize that the story you're trying to tell will not be the one almost should not be the one that people take away hmm Because um, people, yeah, yeah, well, people are very good at, or one of the things that really irritates me with some of my fellow storytellers is when they say, and this is a story about, which is fair enough, and it means that, you know, or, or you should find out from that, or after this story, you'll feel so much braver, stronger, fiercer, bolder, whatever. And I always think, no. My job is to tell the story that engages with this audience, but the meaning they take from it is their choice. I mean, I've chosen the story. I've chosen a nice straightforward story, very silly story that I'll be telling this weekend about a fox and a rabbit. And it's it's about tricksters, and it's tricks one way or another, all the way through the story. and And at the end of the story, when we're talking about it you know 30 children will all have different takes on the same story for some of them it was a funny story for some it was a nasty story for some that fox was really mean and he shouldn't have been allowed to do that but that explains my rabbit and so i could go home now and i can tell everyone that my rabbit was a hero in a story and you think it's it's absolutely absolutely right that i didn't set the Set the emotional scene. I didn't say to them, "This is what you will learn from this story." I, d- I deliver the image, like a yeah. photographer does, um, and the story that they take or the meaning that they take is theirs. And it is my. So decision. it's it's
0: it's almost subjective, right? It's almost like in the world yeah. of photography, to you know, to draw an analog over to photography, <clears> the you know, it sounds like you're talking about, and, and it's not exactly one to one, but the raw file in photography is the you know sort of the the raw data when you click the shutter that gets recorded to the the memory card that represents what that camera saw. This is pre-developing. So when you when you look at the back of your camera or your phone, as mm-hmm. after you take a photo, the computer has already interpreted those that data into something that you can. Our primitive eyes can visualize. Takes all those zeros yeah. and ones, and makes a photo. It sounds yeah. like you're supplying your your idea is to supply that sort of narrative raw file that then people yeah. will interpret in different ways. Is that fair? Mm.
1: Yes, yeah, and and yeah. it means that if if we ask people to draw a picture that captured that that story for them, we'd get lots of different ones, and we'd get all these different um, emphases within the story, within the pictures. That well, what yeah. you know, the bits of the story that mattered to different people. And I mean that's fine for me because my relationship with the group will last the length of a story. So it might be five, ten. 50 minutes sometimes you get 40 minute ones um and even longer uh, the the experience with the photographs different again mm-hmm. and because my words keep changing my words build and play with their with emotions and dynamic yeah. and as photographers you're prese- presuming it's a, it's a still image you know you've got that and you're hoping that an audience will look at it will' almost step into it and walk through it as a story Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. challenge might be if you had the chance to ask them what should happen next or what did happen next and just see what where where they took the story that's contained or that started within a picture
0: yeah, I wonder have you you and that that's a really good point because you know if you're you're telling stories live in front of a group mm. of people of varying sizes, I imagine. Yeah, you when you're doing live things, whether you're doing public speaking mm-hmm. or whatever, performing, you have that energy that you can feed off from the audience yeah. and you can adjust. Like if I'm giving a speech or a talk or something. I can watch the audience and I can know when they're getting bored or when I've said something that struck a chord yeah. and I can follow that, mm-hmm. you know, versus when you send a photograph into the wild, you have no idea. But when you're yep. when you're weaving your stories, you have that benefit. Right. So you can look at. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to tell story. I'm going to tell this particular story. And you can consider the variables, okay, the age range mm. of the audience, so mm-hmm. they can mm-hmm. affect your, the vernacular or the type of words that you choose to use, um, your pacing, your tone, and all that. Is that is that kind of how it goes? Like if you tell if you tell yeah. the same story to three different groups—kids, middle-aged adults, and elderly adults—it's going to change depending yeah. on the, yeah. the, the the group you're speaking to, correct?
1: Yes. Oh, completely. And it changes. It can be the same age group, and it will change every time I tell you. Oh because wow! Because it is the whole thing, as you just said. The whole thing is a relationship between me as a performer and the people I'm working with, um, and and that's that's a benefit for me because it means I have got again, as you've just said, I've got that immediate reaction, I've got that relationship to draw upon. It's also a risk because you suddenly get <gasps> oh. Oh, this was the wrong story. To <laughs> <point>. <laughs> and yeah. the, and I was going to say, that happens with adult groups. It doesn't usually happen with children. Probably because I'm perhaps I'm more comfortable with children. But mm. every so with an adult group, you suddenly get to a point and you think, I really can't say the next sentence to this. You know why that yeah. is? That's yeah. because
0: because yeah. that that whole you know funny bone or creativity bone in a lot of adults has atrophied oh. and is no longer yeah.
1: <laughs> it's no Oh come Or it. yeah. oh, It's not even the funny bone. It's the you not going to say something. Oh that's oh that's yeah. a bit rude. Yeah. Uh-huh. The, How I dare, I dare you? Got to them. Yes, yes. And I thought, I haven't even got to the room, bit yet. You know, and I've already offended half the audience. But, um, but I mean, that's a benefit, photographers. So hopefully, if you've done the thing that's going to offend them, you're not actually standing next to the image as yeah. they look at it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You, you get to run away and hide. Um,
0: yeah, but, and peek from behind yeah. the bushes and observe. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, a couple of things I want to... You know, get your thoughts on, and we touched on this a little bit uh, a while back when we first met, but the idea of the hero's journey, you know, and Mm -hmm. that that Mm -hmm. sort of construct or lattice work that that they say most stories in history were in some way built on this idea of the hero's journey. Can you for the folks that may not know what the hero hero's journey idea is, can you sort of explain that and then Is it necessary? I mean, do we? If we construct a story, does it have to follow that that sort of Um, that sort of thinking?
1: I think it's it's one of those, right? The hero's journey, or I mean, one of the other sort of rules that turn up in storytelling quite a bit is a a statement that says, and I always get this wrong: um, there are only six stories in all the world, and that any any story will fit into. You know, this model or this model or this model, um, and and the hero's journey is really it's um, it's it's almost like a life story and going through mo- uh, moments of transition, rites of passage. It usually goes from you know, uh, young hero facing challenges, mm-hmm. learning skills, facing bigger challenges, getting rewards, or they're, 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 they're models that I just find not at all useful as a storyteller because yeah. I'm just there like, thinking no that might be fine if you're trying to analyse stories my job is to have a relationship with lots of different stories and find a story that works for a situation rather than worrying about what, whether it fits into someone else's analysis of stories yeah. um, I, I think stories are simpler than that uh, I think stories Yes, you can take lessons from stories. And you can, people can take lessons, or unexpected lessons from unexpected stories. And we're back to what I was saying before about, don't presume that you know, what people will learn or what people will take from a story. As a storyteller, my job is to tell a good story. Yeah. um, Yeah. And tell an effective story. And let people Take whatever lesson that they need from it, rather than deciding in advance what their lesson should be. I once had a wonderful um, skirmish with another storyteller who'd been booked to tell body stories at a at a stag night. You know, um, do you have stag nights? No, uh, no it's it's right, stag night is the night for the the groom before he gets married. Um, okay, it's okay. not it's oh, not yeah. usually yeah anymore. we have that we, have that. Yeah. we call the that the, them the bachelor's party yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so it's it's you know he'd been booked to go and tell body stories at like that and he was looking at how he could tell stories that were about um sort of respecting respecting the wife to come respecting the feminine and we were left going actually what they want to hear are really rude stories mm-hmm. and um and and traditional body stories, are not ne- they might not conform to modern standards of anything, but they're not necessarily disrespectful. And you need to look at them as their own experience and think, yes, is this, is this actually disrespectful, or is it just outrageous? And are you just too offended, as a storyteller, to actually mention all the things that need mentioning? And, yeah, um, the shock value. And, right? yes yeah but and also just um, our ancestors were much less inhibited than us uh-huh a lot of the time and so, we get
0: more and more inhibited over time so i don't know a yes. hundred
1: years yeah. we're just i don't know what's good <laughs> yeah. well, we, won't, we won't be able to talk about anything and do anything no
0: of course or look at anything um i was just gonna um, say in your in your opinion what what makes a good story what makes a story good and what makes a story bad
1: um and I, 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 th- I think what makes, what may, what answers both those questions, often, isn't necessarily the physical story, as it were. It's how I, as the storyteller, react to it. Mm-hmm. That um, I need to be able to believe in a story. I, as I was, because ch- right, going back to children. Yeah. They always ask, so is that true? Did that really happen? <laughs> and, and, and I always say, well, there's three answers to that question. Yes, of course it did. Um, Don't be ridiculous, of course it didn't. Or, well, it probably didn't, but it'd be, it'd be quite nice if it did. Yeah. And almost everyone goes, oh, yes, yes, the last one.
0: In one universe um, it did, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but it means that for me that's the sign of an effective story is that they had to check that it did that really happen um and it and it's a good story if for the time i am telling it or it is absolutely true that i am when i'm telling the story i'm seeing it and i am living it and what i'm telling to the audience they're never an audience they're always the people i'm sharing things with Mm -hmm. um is my experience of the story. So you it's see not the story? like. Are you seeing the I, story I unfold to, yes. as a movie when yes, you're when you're? Ha- yes. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I'm standing inside the story, and it means that if, if I mean, one of the one of the things that you throw at trainee storytellers, which always freaks them out, is just say, "But what's happening over there?" Mm-hmm. And um, and if you're really inside the story, you can just turn around and say, "But." you know, there, there was a whole bunch of birds up a tree watching what was going on. And they told, and they told somebody else and they, told, and that's how I know the story. Um, as, for me, stories work when I can believe in them, when they yeah. feel absolutely true. Um, five minutes later, I might be thinking, oh, what a ridiculous story <laughs> well, quite often. Most of the stories <laughs> I tell are ridiculous. But um, but I need to have that absolute belief in it for the time I'm telling it. and often when that doesn't work that's what makes a bad story it's one that essentially i am reciting almost as if i'm holding the book in my head you know and i'm not living it i've just memorized a set of words and i'm telling you the words oh I and know.
0: um you know, you know, you if you've watched any kind of movies these days, you you've mm. probably heard of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> you know, they they build these giant, so they can then, you know, create stories within mm. this this construct of yeah. reality that they've put together. I'm, I I I would be remiss if I didn't ask you what you thought about that. You know, the whole idea of constructing a universe that has a sort of you know. I forget the word I'm looking for. There's a word that describes what I want to say, but there's a universe. You're creating a universe with a set of standards and physics and Mm -hmm. characters and all that. And then within that, you sort of harvest out different stories or vignettes from the different characters in there. Is that a good way to think about things? Like from a photographer standpoint, I think about it as, you know, for a photographer, wouldn't it be cool if instead of just running around taking pictures of flowers and landscapes and all this, you... Mm -hmm. Con- even if it's only in your own head, you construct your own little reality, mm. and you're telling stories within your own little personal cinematic universe, yeah. and creating that narrative. Would it make sense for
1: yeah. for creative yeah. to do that? Yes, I mean it's 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 the 21st century equivalent of a mythology. Yes, you know, yes. if we looked, if we just st- sort of stopped and looked, say, at Greek mythology or Norse mythology. We've got that same con- concept. We've got a world that's populated is populated by super beings, and us, and and the stories unfold, and they have their own values and their own systems and their own. Well, you just say, you know, there's physics and special effects and things like that. And there we've got Zeus and his thunderbolt, and mm-hmm. and it's it's exactly the same thing. It's that experience of a world that is now. It will grow its own stories and almost the stories almost start growing of themselves because mm-hmm. if we've if in you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe we start looking at Thor and he's doing this here and he's doing that there uh, and then we all the sidelines start appearing so what about so who was that person what happened to his really good friend that we saw in you know, Thor number one? Who then disappeared yeah. you know it's uh, mm-hmm. the stories are there and it's yeah it's it's the it's the equivalent of of a traditional mythology but now delivered through our modern media yeah. i would say
0: i love that i love that yeah and it gives you it gives you a box to work in i think yeah. because yeah. like in the marvel world mm. i mean i, gr- I grew up yeah. with comic books right which is our mythology yeah. right and reading yeah, those sure. and yeah. you know sort of being into that world and putting mm-hmm. myself in the place of the characters like when i was a kid i wanted to yes, be yeah. i wanted to be peter parker right i wanted to be a spider-man I mean, you yeah. uh, know i felt yeah. like i ended up identified yeah. with that
1: nerd right so mm-hmm. I, wanted, well, I wanted to well, be him I, I, yeah. well I'm, I'm gonna jump in there because what i find really interesting is that um you're know, working a lot with children spider-man is still he's still everyone's big brother yeah you know you'll get if you get people dressed up as heroes um there'll be sort of there'll be a few iron men there'll be a few thors um now it's really nice to see wonder woman turning up mm-hmm. um but the one that is i think is most relatable to by younger people is spider-man yeah and he's we're well, suddenly we're back inside the hero's journey stuff that mm-hmm. Sp- Spider-Man is is the young hero, and and I I think his his importance in all of those arcs is a bit underestimated because the others are all very much superhero types. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas Spider-Man's, sort of, as you just said, he's a nerd kind of. yeah. and and he always feels a bit not quite sure about being a hero, and he gets it wrong, and he also just enjoys it. Yeah. You yeah. know, just the whole web swinging down the street <laughs> yeah. a bit, and you see, and you can just hear all these eight-year-olds just going, "Oh yes, I want yes. to do that,", that was you know, me. <laughs> because it's about fun. It's not always about fighting monsters. It's about going, "Whoa, look, I can swing!" You know, and it's yeah. great. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean and it sticks with you, right? Because to oh, this okay. day I'm no longer that kid collecting comic books though. The comic books have come to me from Marvel, thank you, and DC. But but you know, I can still hear to this day I can hear a John Williams You know superman theme soundtrack or the theme to spider-man one and i'm right back there again right i'm um you know swinging between those buildings you know in new york city and fighting crime and doing all that stuff yeah it's amazing what stories do for us yeah and and it's amazing the powers that you know the the group that i speak to photographers it's amazing Mm. the superpowers speaking of superpowers that we have to create this stuff i just feel like that that missing bit of, you know, to speak about a cinematic universe, the missing bit of yeah. unobtainium in the universe yeah. <laughs> is, is the storytelling bit and being able to yeah. d- weave a narrative around what you're doing to bring it all mm. together. To wrap us yeah. up, what's a what's a, a, a good way for photographers or any creative just to sort of start thinking a little bit differently about their art form to introduce some story into it? You know, if they're, they're listening to this and the interview's over, they're, gonna, they're inspired, they want to go introduce story into their work, what should they do?
1: Um, maybe, I never know actually when people ask me questions like that. I think, <laughs> I think I'd say, if you've got an idea for, let, got an idea for a shot, for the image you want to take, um think back to a line i mentioned earlier think about if that is a moment from a story it is a moment from a story i'll come back to that in a moment um is what should be the next image in the story Mm -hmm. and take that one and leave the one you were thinking of and just take take the unexpected one if you've thought right this is it this is that that's the shot i really want and then think, okay what should happen next, and going forward to grab that and leave the one you've just carefully constructed behind. Um, that was one thing, and I've now just yeah. completely forgot the other thing I was going to say. Um, unexpected. No. Nope. Nope, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, it'll come back
0: to you. You know, it'll come back yeah. to you after we yeah. hang up, right?
1: <laughs> yes, sure it will. It will definitely.
0: Um, you know, one thing. One thing that's going to happen after this. Uh, this is a great interview. Thank you for doing this. Um, but there's there's going to be the questions of. Okay, I'm intrigued. You've whet my appetite. I want <laughs> more Gordon McClellan stories. Where do I go to hear uh, or see these stories? Where, where do you point people at? Or is it all live performances?
1: It's mostly live. Um, I, I, uh, I think I put it in the contacts. If not, I will send it with images at the end. Um, mm. I've got a YouTube channel. You can find if you look for creeping toad on youtube um you'll find me and there it's more poems and story poems so narrative poems rather than lots of traditional tales mostly because i'm quite uncomfortable about being filmed i i find it quite off-putting and um and for me stories storytelling is 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 an exchange between me and the group of people, so mm. it's they're, they're never really an audience they're all, we're always we're all in the same space and we 're all experiencing something together and and doing that sort of to camera as it were yeah it's like I a communal
0: quite... like a communal yes. experience yeah, yeah mm. I would imagine, yeah, like we say like if you're if even if you 're doing something live in a zoom, for example yeah. in in telling a story there's there's still that disconnect between you. Yeah and and the audience you can look and maybe see a thumbnail you know and you're (laughs) never you're never gonna get that you're never gonna make full-on eye contact with another human and see them nod their head that they're getting they're getting it yeah that's great well thank Mm. you gordon for doing this thanks for coming on i'll put all the links and the uh the all those bits in the show notes for this episode so folks can go follow you and do all that stuff um before we end this any last words you want to throw out there for the audience?
1: I think all I'd say is um, go and find some old stories and read them. Just find a book of old stories and go and sit down under a tree somewhere and give, read yourself some traditional tales and see it. what ideas they give you i love that's that right. i love that
0: okay i know i lied i lied i said that was gonna be the last question and that was good like <laughs> that's the one. That one. there's there's one more um okay it, you probably get this a lot your desert island let's let's call it your desert island two or three stories throughout time not ones it could not necessarily ones that you tell it could be told by others or fables or you know whatever even movies what's your favorite your favorite story or favorite couple of Ooh. stories
1: Oh dear! Oh, he does ask difficult questions. Yeah, it's what I do. Um, Come on! <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, oh, oh right, I would, I would have to take Lord of the Rings, um, okay. yeah, Tolkien as, yeah, you know, as as an absolute classic storyteller in a really traditional mould. Yeah. Um i in films. Well the, actually the tricky bit with films is then I'd want to take the hobbit. Yeah, you know, the, the the film trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um I would I would definitely choose some of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films. Mm-hmm. But I you don't pin me down because I'm not oh, gonna I say won't. which one I won't because <laughs> there's a lot. There's <laughs> too many now. Um and uh and actually from books I would either take a really a really good collection of Norse myths because you know, mm. they are just there's so much variety in there, or um, so we're now going to get really obscure the uh, the Book of Invasions uh, of Ireland, which is the oldest set of Celtic stories and oh, it's wow. magnificent. It's just and there's a really rich poetry built into into this saga of gods and heroes um and then almost from a more philosophical point of view uh, a copy of the dao de jing yeah just because it's one of, it's one of those books that says an awful lot with very few words
0: which is an art form in and of itself <laughs> right yes there.
1: yeah you know just to actually just take a three line a four line piece and that just sets you off thinking for long enough
0: I love it. All right, Gordon, thank you so much for coming on. I promise this is the end now. <laughs> so, thank you. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate you. I will uh, link to everything you give me, uh, including photos, etc., in the show notes for this episode. So I encourage folks that are listening to this or watching this on YouTube, head over to um, thisweekinphoto.com And you will find it. If you can't find it, because you're listening to this at some point in the future, just search for Gordon McClellan, and you will find him on the website. All right, Gordon, we'll leave it right there. Thank you so much, and you have a have a good rest of your week and weekend.
1: Thank you. Thanks very much. It was really nice talking to you. This is Twitter.